You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. To uh, Sarah, Greg, and Rachel, and all of the leaders uh, here for the invitation to come back. Uh, y'all are family, la familia, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all, we, we, we good, and uh, it's good to be back and be a part of what God's doing. Uh, I, I've been in several spaces uh, this week. I was in Houghton, New York, speaking at their uh, Rooted Revival series. I'm here a couple days, and then I'm at Central Christian College in Kansas uh, next week. And I overheard some things that have happened at Auburn University with 200 students being baptized and thousands coming to an event. God is doing something special. Amen. Uh, I, I see it from a macro level, but then God gives me the blessing of coming and also seeing it at a micro level. So I'm thankful to be here. Last night, we started kind of a short two-part series talking about questions, questions that transform lives. Last night, we talked about the question, do you want to be healed? Uh, today, we're going to deal with another question. And what I found about God is when God asks questions, it's not because he's confused. It's not because he doesn't have the answer. It's not because he needs our help to discover something, it's usually because he wants us to see something. He wants us to experience something. And sometimes what he wants is for us individually, but more often than not, it's what he wants for us communally. I'll never forget, I was at a conference and the speaker had, was like just speaking powerfully. And there was a guy who was behind me during the whole service who was just loud. I mean, he wasn't saying anything bad. He wasn't being negative, but he kept saying stuff like, preach it, brother. You're on fire, brother. Tell it like it is, brother. Now, I come from a call and response environment. You can probably tell. <laughs> um, but when somebody is in your ear like that for 30 minutes, I mean, it's a, little, it's a little distracting. And so at the end of the message, he says, I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to pray. And I'm like, I'm turning to my left, I'm turning to my right, I'm trying to find somebody in front of me. I am not looking behind me. And everybody had already grabbed somebody else, and I was like, oh, God, are you serious? And I turn around, and he was like, me and you! <laughs> so we grab hands, he starts praying. I'm not really praying, I'm like trying to think to myself, Lord, when is this going to be over? He says, amen, I say amen, I'm like, Shh, thank God that's done. And then I turn back around, and I start feeling conviction. Shouldn't have treated this brother in Christ like that. And around that time, he starts tapping me on the shoulder, like, hey, 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 bro, do you want to pray again? <laughs> and so I turn around, I grab hands with this brother, and I start to really pray. And have you ever had a moment where you felt like God filled a room, where time stood still, and it was such a sweet presence of God that, like, he was weeping, I was weeping, uh, people were laying on the floor in the presence of the Lord. And, and when it was all said and done, I turned around, I'm wiping my eyes, and he hands me his business card. He's like, we should stay in touch with each other. And, and come to find out, me and this brother have the same last name. True story. We start talking about our families and discover that we are distant cousins <laughs> who have never met before. I tell you that story because sometimes like we are so consumed with what's in front of us that I almost miss the blessing that God had for me. And he had the courage to ask the question, do you want to pray again? I almost missed God's blessing because of the package it was wrapped in. 
Today, we want to turn our attention to John chapter 4. John seems to suggest that when people believe in who Jesus is and he becomes the center of their lives, a personal and communal transformation happen. And so as we turn there, turn now, John 4, beginning at verse 1. It says, now. Somebody shout, now. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, verse 2, although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had, somebody shout had, we're going to come back to that in a minute, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Hmm. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman, somebody say woman, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Will you, will you give me a drink? Father, we know the flower fades, the grass withers, but your word stands forever. Speak into this moment, move me in the background, may you be at the forefront. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Speak now, give us all the courage to respond in obedience. Uh, we pray this all in the matchless name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. This question, this question doesn't seem to be a big deal on the surface. I mean, Jesus has been walking in the hot sun. I mean, he, it's the middle of the day. He's by a water well, but he has nothing to draw water out for himself. Seems simple enough, right? <laughs> Not so fast. If we study this passage and its context, we know that verse 4 is problematic. It says he had to go through Samaria. Most Jews taking the same route made an effort to walk around Samaria. They did not go through it, even though it was the shorter route. So why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Maybe he chose to meet this woman. Maybe this woman is important. I'm going to repeat a few things today. I'm going to repeat them over and over again so it's easy to remember. And I, my prayer is that it's kind of like that annoying song that you can't get out your head. You know what I'm talking about? Like the one you keep repeating, like, oh my gosh, what is song? Can I get it out of my head? But I hope you'll remember these things that Jesus does. So the first thing I'll say to you is Jesus takes an unconventional route and he finds himself at Jacob's well. This is actually the well that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, it says. It is a place, watch this, an unconventional route, and it's a place of common ground. It's common ground between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so now we find this woman who has come out to draw water and is high noon. Hmm, why is she coming out at not high noon? That's strange because most women come out early in the morning together, but she's out there by herself. She's different. She's maybe a social outcast and she doesn't seem to fit in with others and we'll find out why in just a moment. So Jesus takes an unconventional route to a place where there's common ground with somebody who is different. And in the midst of it all, he asked her a simple yet profound question, will you give me something to drink? Now, the woman recognizes how odd and how problematic Jesus's question is. So watch what she says in verse nine. She says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew <laughs> the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus here, he's breaking some rules. He's making things a little bit uncomfortable. I'll never forget, I, I was given a gift at Christmas by my in-laws one year, and I didn't know what it was. My wife got the same package. She, I think she knew what it was. I stripped open the box and I opened it up and it said something I'll never forget. It said, Snuggy. Now, I'm a 230-pound manly man, and there's something about the word snuggy that just doesn't fit me. It just doesn't fit me. And so I hugged them. You know, I put it back in the box. Oh, bless you. Thank you for the gift. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And so I put it up on the top shelf. I mean, the top shelf that nobody goes to in the garage unless you move it. You know what I'm saying? I put it up on the shelf. I ain't messing with that snuggy. And so I, I go back in, but then there's one cool December afternoon, and I'm watching the game, and all of the blankets are upstairs, and I remember... <laughs> Snuggy! <laughs> hey, I go up in the garage, I grab that box off the top shelf, man. I slide my arms in that thing. It is nothing but a robe turned backwards. That's all it is. But that thing has pockets on the front, man. So I got like snacks in there, my drink in there. I'm on the couch with my Snuggy. I am so comfortable. <laughs> and I think sometimes as Christians, we want our walk with God to feel like a Snuggie. The right room temperature, we got everything we need at a hand's length distance, but that's not how it is. Most of your life walking with God is going to be risky, it's going to be uncomfortable, it won't feel like a Snuggie. And Jesus shows us because he's, he's doing something unconventional. He's, he's taking a risk. He is not supposed to be talking to this woman. He's not supposed to be talking as a man to this woman. He's not supposed to be talking to a Samaritan culturally. And lastly, he definitely is not supposed to mix vessels or drink with something that a Samaritan has drank from. Jesus is doing a lot right here. Jews typically hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated them. There was a historical and cultural animosity. But Jesus takes this unconventional route to a place to find common ground, to talk to someone who is different that he sees value in. And what started with one question about her water and a well turns into a theological conversation. Verse 11 says this, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Ah, verse 15, the woman said, to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, this woman, this woman, she could have walked away when she saw Jesus. She could have walked away when he started talking to her. She, she could have walked away when he asked to mix the vessels to drink from her cup. And she surely could have walked away when he gave these comments about living water and hers being temporary when he didn't have anything to drink. But she stays engaged. She doesn't walk away. She is not easily offended. We could learn a lot from this woman. She could have missed her miracle had she become defensive and sensitive 
to correction. But she stays intrigued long enough because he is not arrogant or demeaning like most Jews are to her. His kindness and his vulnerability draw her in. And although they seem to disagree on some things, his correction, watch this, his correction is not crushing, but it's enlightening. Jesus, he's giving us a master class on reaching people who are different than us. Meet them on their terms in a place that is safe for them. Invite them first into a... This woman, she could have walked away when she saw Jesus. She could have walked away when he started talking to her. She, she could have walked away when he asked to mix the vessels to drink uh, from her cup. And she surely could have walked away uh, when he gave these comments about living water and hers being temporary when he didn't have anything to drink. But she stays engaged. She doesn't walk away. She is not easily offended. We could learn a lot from this woman. She could have missed her miracle had she become defensive and sensitive to correction. But she stays intrigued long enough because he is not arrogant or demeaning like most Jews are to her. His kindness and his vulnerability draw her in. And although they seem to disagree on some things, his correction, watch this, his correction is not crushing, but it's enlightening. Jesus, <laughs> he's giving us a master class on reaching people who are different than us. Meet them on their terms in a place that is safe for them. Invite them first into a conversation they are familiar with before you start talking about your differences and where you think they might be wrong. The woman is mesmerized by the conversation. She, she teaches us also the value of sitting in discomfort, not being easily offended by somebody who's different and being open to learning something new that might be outside of our purview. Then, then, oh, then the conversation takes a turn when Jesus moves from theology and he makes it personal. He tells her, go back. Come back with your husband. And she immediately tells him, I, I don't have a husband, in verse 17. She didn't have to be honest about that, but, but she is. And it opens a door for Jesus to say, I know you have had five husbands. And the man you are with now is not your husband. Wow. I know she's going to walk away now. <laughs> like, I know, I know she's going to be like, okay, we doing that now? That's how it is, bro? You know, like, like <laughs> she, she's done with him, I'm sure. But watch what happens. The, the, the reason for her coming in the middle of the day has now been exposed. Uh, she, 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 she's, she should walk away, like most people would walk away, but she doesn't. She redirects the conversation back to theology. And Jesus, he lets her. He lets her do it. He doesn't stop her, and then he clarifies some misinformation that she had. And I've learned that when we're dealing with Jesus, somebody shout Jesus, Somebody shout Jesus. <laughs> we don't need part of the truth. We need all the truth. And he tells her the Messiah is already here. And he tells her, I am, I am he. Now, the woman, the woman, when she hears that, 
the woman drops her jar and she runs back into the city. And as she is leaving, the disciples roll up and they have food and they can't believe Jesus is talking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. And when the woman reaches the city, the Bible says that she tells everyone she can find that she has found the Messiah. And interestingly, this woman with a, a sketchy past, this woman who's a social outcast, this woman who doesn't come in the morning with other women, who has come by herself. Interestingly, many in the city are intrigued by her story, and they come out from all over the city to meet Jesus themselves. And so here's where I need to go before we close today. What happens next in these next few verses helps me to understand why Jesus had, somebody say had, had to go through Samaria. It was an act of love. It was an act of love, and it seems like it's just an act of love towards this woman, but the reality is it's an act of love towards the entire city she is from. He had to go to Samaria. He teaches us about taking an unconventional route to, to a place to find common ground with a person who is different that he sees value in because her story and her community will be reshaped by this encounter. And it says this in verse 39, many of the Samaritans that from that town believed, somebody shout believed. believed. They believed in him. Watch this. Because of the woman, somebody shout woman woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, with them, and he stayed two days. What? Jesus, a Jew, stayed two days in Samaria. And because of his words, oh, this is good. <laughs> this, this, this text preaches by itself. I'm just reading it. And, and because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know, and we know, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This woman stayed intrigued long enough to find out more than she could ever ask or imagine. Who, who among you is like this woman? Are you, are you like this woman? Secretly going to wells and avoiding people because there are some unanswered questions. There are some voids in your heart that only God can fill. But once this woman knew the truth, she became one of the strongest evangelists we see in the New Testament. She shared what she knew with her whole community, and they came to hear from Jesus this, themselves. Who are you willing to go out of your way to reach? How important, how important is the stranger? How important is the child, the widow, the foreigner? that you would be willing to stay in an uncomfortable place and just simply engage in a conversation that might actually lead to individual or communal transformation. I think there's something special happening here because sometimes Jesus teaches us we have to take an unconventional route to a place to find common ground with someone who is different 
that we begin to see value in because they can reach people we can't reach. Can I be honest? I was this woman. I was this woman. And someone took time and they sat with me. They crossed some cultural and religious lines and they had a conversation with me. Jesus spent two days, two whole days in Samaria because he had to go through Samaria. (laughs) And within one day, within one encounter, Jesus became, watch this, Jesus became the new center of the focus in her town. Maybe you're like this woman. And I ask you to simply be open to engaging in questions and dialogue that will soon follow. Maybe you're someone who needs to reach out to someone else today and this week and just start with some simple questions, like introducing, introducing people to Jesus and seeing their lives transformed. It, it never, ever gets old. And so Jesus, um, he teaches us some things here, and I want to lay them out as I close. His message to us is be, be willing to take an unconventional route. Uh, work to find common ground. Sit with people who are different than you. See their value because guess what? They are made in the imago Dei. They are made in the image of God. Start with simple questions and really listen to them. Find where their story, your story, and God's story intersect. Make Jesus the center through love and grace and watch God transform their lives and maybe even their community. Last story. Um, I was preaching a message about Ephesians 2, about how God breaks down the walls of hostility. And um, preached this message of church in North Carolina, and um, God moved in a powerful way. And I was at the back kind of shaking hands with people as they left. And uh, there was this uh, uh, elderly woman who I love. She's such a sweet spirit. And um, she has this, like, intent look on getting to me on her face. And you know, when you see that look, you, you get a little scared. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> and should I stay or should I bounce? Um, and she gets to me and she says, Santee, 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 I got to talk to you. And um, she said, I, 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 I was with you. I was with you when you were talking about like loving people who are different. I was with you. I was with you through, you know, some of the the things that you discussed about, about race and some of the things that you discussed about socioeconomics levels and, and different viewpoints. She said, but when you said that we are to love Muslims, you lost me. You lost me. Now, I know her story, and I know that she had a son who was killed in the Middle East. And the tears began to stream down her face. She said, you lost me. You lost me. And I said, Mother, we have to learn to love everybody. Everybody's made in the image of God. No matter their religion, no matter their socioeconomic level, no matter their race or ethnicity, no matter their gender identity, like we are, we are to love everybody. We don't have to agree with them, but we are to love them. And she said, I know. She started patting my hand. She said, I know. She said, the reason why I came up here is to tell you that I struggled with that statement, and it bothered me. And so now I just want you to pray with me that I would be able to learn to love the people I once hated. And so we pray right there in that foyer that God would transform her heart 
and that she would love the people in her mind who killed her, her only son. I believe sometimes we have to take an unconventional route uh, to a place where we find common ground, um, to love people who are different from us because there's something special God's gonna do through that interaction. And what I love about this particular story is God uses this woman to reach masses of people. Jesus could have went into the city himself and preached, but he chose not to. He chose to go to a well where he knew this woman would be because he wanted her to go back into the city. Who am I talking to here that God has specifically chosen to speak to you today because there's something you are designed to do to go back to a people group and to share your story. And as you share your story, it will transform lives. Who am I talking to who needs to take an unconventional route and find common ground with people who are different and that you see value in so that God can transform not only an individual, but a community. Please stand all over the building. It started, started with a simple question. Will you, will you give me a drink? And that simple, somewhat safe question <laughs> led to transformation. That city never be the same. And it was so important that over 2,000 years later, we're reading about it. And it's transforming lives today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this word. We know your word will not return void, but it will accomplish the thing where to it has been sent. So as your preached word has gone forward, I pray, God, that you would minister to the hearts of those who've heard it, that you would help them to apply it to their lives, and that they would be able to share it with others. Do something special, just like you did with this woman, that would cause the ears of us to hear about it, to tingle. We trust you with the results, and we commend all of this to the power of your grace. In Jesus' name, that the people of God say, amen. amen.